Hi, I'm indie fantasy author Melinda Cusera, and in this episode of Fantasy, Lore, and More, we have Christopher D. Schmitz, and he's joining me to talk about his book, A Kiss of Dagger. So I want to know about that title first, and welcome. Hello, good afternoon, evening, I don't know, it's, I don't know when you're listening to this, so I'll, good afternoon, I'll take a shot in the dark. <laughs> All right, so why are people kissing daggers? Uh, they just like the taste. It, it's really, <laughs> it's more about the flavor than the texture, but <laughs> it's, so the book itself, it's a, uh, uh, it's a story about a human trapped in the land of the Fae. So I use a lot of, um, a lot of lore and legend from Welsh and Irish, uh, uh, mythologies. Um, this human who's, who's trapped there and, uh, the, the, the elves there, like the Tuatha de Danon elves from, from Irish lore. And, uh, they don't like people. Uh, so he has to constantly disguise who he is. Like he wears a bandana so they can't see that his ears are short. The only thing he can remember about his past is that he has, uh, his, his name for one and, uh, this dagger that he has, he doesn't know why he has it. Uh, but it's explained to him, uh, when he's a kid that like, this dagger is like forged by the very magic of Arcadia itself. The name of this land is Arcadia. And uh, like it, the blade itself cries out for vengeance. Somebody has done you a great wrong in the past. And when that person is near your, your blade will glow. So you'll know, like you can finally get your revenge. He's like, I don't, I don't know what that was though. I don't know anything more than my name. Um, So it's uh, kind of, there's a lot of, of fun mystery components with that. Uh, but the um, the the kiss component has to do with um, a girl that he's kind of fallen in love with and he gets suckered into a duel over her. And uh, that's kind of the main plot thrust. And uh, the whole time he's like, he just kind of wants a kiss, you know. And uh, <laughs> But she has a curse on her. She can't kiss him uh, without transferring that curse to him. So, um, but also she's... She has her own secrets going on, and she knows that Remy, that the human hero, uh, is the only one who's going to be able to prevent her from uh, very bad things. Oh wow, that's that's quite a story. I I just people are like well, su- sum it up like ten thousand foot worldview or like a the, well, it's a high concept pitch, right? I'm like yeah, John he's Wick- fighting for a kiss. <laughs> John Wick versus elves. I like that. Is there anything more you want to say about uh, about the book before we head into the excerpt? Um, yeah, sure. So there, I, this one it. came out as a uh, part of my Kickstarter. Uh, it was the first big Kickstarter that I ran. Um, with it, we all, we launched at the same time with a prequel, which has to do so. In in a kiss of daggers, Remy is trapped. He's on the Sealy side. If you know anything about like the winter and summer courts. That's the uh, um, a little yeah. That's the the sealy and the unsealy. Um, so the sealy are generally looked at as the good elves. I'm doing air quotes with my my fingers. Uh, okay. And then why is it sealy and unsealy? Like 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 I guess because one's the opposite of the other. Like yeah, not it's sealy. It's, it's a Celtic uh, Celtic language thing. I see. I see. So that that's part of the. Uh, I mean, that's part of the mythology. It's been around for far longer than 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 probably even america um so that's something that's established people that are into um into fey mythology and stuff like oh sealy and unsealy all right and if you're if you're looking for like well, what kind of of lore and mythology because there's all sorts of of um fey lore out there and i tell people i'm like you, you can 
you can tell by my age, if you can see me, I'm kind of the tail end of Gen X. I'm like, listen, if you have seen the second season of the old Gargoyles cartoon where Oberon and Puck are messing like with reality, uh, which it's a fantastic show. If you've never seen it, Gargoyles is it. so good. Uh, it's it's got uh, it's got evil uh, evil um, evil Riker uh, in it from Star Trek. He's the voice of the the main bad guy Xanatos. But so I was watching as like a teenager. I'm like just in love with some of this uh, this Celtic lore stuff coming through there. And then mix that with a hefty dose of uh, Harry Dresden's Never Never, and you'll get an idea of the the kind of realm that that this place is. Um, it feels a little like uh, if you have seen um, Carnival Row. Uh, it kind of feels a little like that where you have humans and then you have fake creatures and they don't really get along, but they're in this, uh, they're in this, um, this universe together trying to coexist, but, but also there are winners and losers uh, in, uh, in this classist type of system. So, um, but yeah, so there is a prequel that happens in the unseely and you find out uh, in, in the prequel, cause it's kind of, it's hinted at in a kiss of daggers, but right. you find out that, he was trained from childhood as an assassin. You find out why he doesn't remember anything. You don't, you don't get any spoilers. You don't know what that was that he can't remember, but he ate some fruit from this tree that like literally people drop. They're like, they drop their enemies in a certain part of the forest where there's this fruit that like mind wipes them. So then the people just oh. get eaten by the natural predators. And it's a very easy way to knock somebody off. And he's like, all he, all he knows, he's like, he's just, eating this fruit and he looks at it, like he's covered in blood. He doesn't know anything about what happened and he winds up um, getting pulled into work uh, and be trained by this, this orc who's like the head assassin group for, uh, for the unseely queen. And where I was going with seely and unseely is, you know, the air quotes with the good elves, they're not good elves. Uh, if you're familiar with D and D and like chaotic, good and lawful, good and lawful evil. They're, they're all bad. It's just, they're chaotic and lawful rather than good and evil. Um, so there's a few more rules and life is a little safer on the one side on the Sealy versus the unseely. So he winds up uh, escaping the unseely with lots of violence. Uh, so nobody knows that he's still alive. And so he's, he's trying to protect that secret as well. Um, how does, how does a human like, hang you know get trained along with supernatural beings fey creatures and like nobody noticed that like he's human because i mean again i mean are humans in this up. world like a little more gifted than than the rest of us mortals <laughs> so the the fey are like i think we get this idea sometimes that like the fey are they have all these great and big powers like why would you ever choose to be a human in D when you can be an elf and you get dark vision and you you get like proficiency with bows and you get i'm, I'm kind of a D nerd right so you get yeah seems like a way better choice um, but so in the world I, I do describe some of the the nuanced differences like humans while they may live a, a little shorter lifespan they're generally stronger um and I, I actually reference that right away in one of the first chapters like uh he's digging a ditch and one of the reasons he's really good at manual labor, and that's kind of how he's making money and kind of in hiding, you know, is um, because he's strong enough to do certain things because he's human. Uh, and they're a little, they're just a little lighter weight, um, you know, in uh, on the face side. And so uh, um, while there are strong elves and things like that, uh, he's a little more, he, a, a little more gifting in that side of things on the, you know, on the physical and a little higher endurance and things like that. Um so he, but he, he does get the, 
the living tar beat out of him while he's training. So I did that, the prequel, it's called Origins of the Fae Duelist. Uh, and then we also did a short story that we wrote because I ran out of stretch goals um, and kept making money on the Kickstarter. People kept back in the project. I'm like, I need one more thing. Uh, how about I write another story? And I just, I, I really loved uh, the way the story turned out. And all of those are available on my website. That's really cool. I haven't, I haven't had the, op- I haven't had really to get into stretch goals so much uh, on the Kickstarters yet, but maybe, maybe at some point in the future, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind though, that a short story is something you can do. That's a really good idea. So right, we've with- gotten off oh, yeah, topic yeah, yeah. on yeah. that. <laughs> that's Absolutely. a kiss of daggers. Uh, that's a kiss of daggers. Yeah. And the, the series uh, title, uh, cause it will be a series. Um, I, okay. I have- a total of six books planned. I am actually working in the next one um, kind of now. Um, I'm working outlines and that sort of thing. Okay. And, so the, the uh, outlines is why it's kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm, I have a lot of notes. It's not written down. I, I like to operate off a pretty rigid outline. And so I'll be outlining. I'm currently in the middle of a six book, seven book deal uh, with uh, something else for another series. So when I finish the one I'm working on currently, I'll be full blown into uh, into the sequel, uh, working on that. So I'm looking forward to it. That's really cool. Should we go into the excerpt since we yeah, yeah. we've been talking around the book? Yeah, let's dive in. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to read a couple of pages out of. It's a later chapter. Um, I should explain a couple uh, a couple of things. Um, so give some context for the passage. So Remy, his best friend, he's, he's an elf named, um, named Thornmere. And uh, Thornmere has dragged his friend back to his home city. Uh, Remy doesn't like cities much. Uh, and he's got very good reasons for it. Especially if you read the prequel book and be like, oh yeah. Uh, when he says that, he really means it. And he's got good reasons. But so he winds up in the city and his friend, um, his friend has fallen in love with this little country elf. And they were just, that's where they're out digging ditches, just trying to make money to stay alive. And uh, she has, has told him, you know, I would love to love to spend some time with you. And Thornmere is, he's got a heart of gold. People have really loved him as a supporting character. And he falls in love with this girl, but her, her brother has disappeared. Uh, he was last in the city. Uh, he's studying to be a mage. He's got some magical ability. He was supposed to really help out the family, all this stuff. The brother's name is Eldarian. And so in the midst of all the other little plot lines, there's all these little interweaving fun um, uh, A and B and C stories happening. Uh, They're looking for Thornmere. So Remy is trying to win this duel and figure out how, how can I uh, free Jaira, the girl that he loves from uh, she's betrothed to somebody else. And if he wins the duel, he can, he can help her out. Uh, and meanwhile, Thornmere is trying to find Eldarian so he can get his kiss. And uh, with that, they have just stumbled upon this, this drug ring that uh, they've discovered Eldarian's got a little bit of a, a little bit of a substance abuse problem. They don't really know much about it. They've never actually met this guy. They're just operating his private eyes to help out this girl in the countryside. And uh, um, so as they're, they're doing that, they wind up like knocking over this whole gang of people who are selling uh, this drug called dream hollow, which lets people like magically like transcend their body. And uh, it kind of like uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, 
uh, like astral travel kind of a thing and go into what's really a, a fantasy version of the internet, um, which you can do it without the drugs, but the drugs make it a whole lot easier. So uh, with, with that, I'll, I'll read this excerpt. So he's, he's been dragged there to this place and Thorinmir really wants Remy to love the same things that he loved as a kid. because they're best friends, but Thorinmir hasn't been, been back to the city in several years since some embarrassment made him leave. So here's the excerpt. In their absence, Thorinmir seemed to forget about the gang of Dream Hollow sellers. Though he made it a point at almost every stop to ask locals after any sign or memory of Eldarian. Remy noted that his friend refused to give up on Odessa's brother. The human refused to discourage his friend, even if he thought it was a fruitless endeavor. He'd already promised Anya he'd try to dissuade Thorinmere from the contest. He very well couldn't take all of his friend's pursuits from him. At least the Dream Hollow thugs had taken their warning seriously. There was no sign of them in the neighborhoods they visited. Thorinmere seemingly took pleasure in pointing out many of the locations he remembered from a young age, even though Remy had little interest in the fountain where little Thorinmere used to splash or where teenage Thorinmere found a peephole at a bathhouse and had seen his first naked female breast, actually. Remy did find that one intriguing. He followed his friend dutifully. The day pressed ever forward, and Remy knew he still had to talk Thorinmere out of competing. A convenient opening to the topic refused to present itself, and bring it up bluntly might crush the poor elf's pride. So Remy suffered the city's most boring tour ever as he looked for a relevant opening to the discussion. As Thorinmere chattered away, Remy grinned and nodded. They still stood by the aforementioned people. A knothole in the plank wall set up on the backside of an obscure building and the location in an alley hid any curious watchers at the rear end. Wisps of steam leaked from the small opening. So you ever, uh... Remy wiggled his eyebrows and made a lewd gesture with his finger. What? I... Thorinmere stammered. He laughed. The hole's too high off the ground. Remy squinted at it. It is terribly small. Way too small. I mean, I could almost get my fist through it, sure, but wait a minute. That's small? Thorinmere looked obviously uncomfortable and self-conscious. I'm just kidding, Remy said playfully, shoving his friend. Or am I? He checked the sun's position in the sky to get an estimate of the time. His heart thumped eagerly as he recalled Jaira's dance for him the last time he'd seen her. I need to get somewhere. The contest is in a few days, Thornmere said. His voice brimmed with tension as if he'd wanted to talk about it for a while. Also hoping for an organic turn in topics. You probably want to see the arena still, right? He motioned him to follow. I know where it is. I want to see it too. Listen, Thornmere, Remy began. But his friend moved too rapidly. I'm actually not headed for that. Thornmere stood in the street like a statue. His sudden shift in mood caught Remy off guard, and the two friends practically spoke over each other. Remy, I've decided not to compete. With his back turned, Remy didn't need to hide the look of elation at the sudden news. Does Anya know? Thorinmir bobbed his head, shrugging. I think so. Maybe. He turned to look at Remy, who tried his best to hide his relief. He showed me some stuff a few days ago and tried to discourage me, but I just, I don't know. I think I have to find Odessa's brother. If I get hurt or distracted from the search, he might never be found. I mean, no one else is even looking for him. Remy stretched his lips thin. Anya does not know, but she worries for you. You should tell her straight away. Thornmir narrowed his eyes. You're just trying to get rid of me. You weren't going to the stadium at all, were you? Remy's lips crooked in a half smile, and then he admitted it. 
no. Well, where were you sneaking off to? Retrieving the earring from his pocket, he held it aloft and showed him. Back to see Miss Morgenstein again. Remy's eyes twinkled. I do think Gyra is teasing me. She dances in the forest in such a way that Remy repeated the lewd motion this time. Oh, yeah? You ever stick a little something between the leaves? Remy shot him a screwy look. It isn't a real Thornmere. I'm going to use her father's contest to make the people respect me. I'll win a future and rescue her from that lout furion. Thornmere kept his expression neutral, even if his voice warbled slightly. Furion is a dangerous elf, Remy. I've heard things. Trust me. He's a scary piece of... Censored. Uh, he's rich enough to make his way through someone's intestines and still come out looking like a polished gold nugget. Just be careful. Remy nodded measuredly, deciding not to argue. Regardless, I will win this for her. And so I'm relieved that we will not have to face each other in the duel. Rummaging a hand through his hair, Thornmere sighed. Well, I'm glad I won't have to face Furion, he shrugged. But who knows how it will go? Maybe you won't have to either. Remy smiled. He adjusted the special knife at his belt, nodded, and then glanced to the sky again. He took another parting step and then pointed back toward Anya's apartment. Tell your sister about your decision. She'll be so pleased with the news. Thornmere gave a short bow. I will. Tell Jaira I said hello, and that she better not break your heart. Oh, and he made a motion as if he were adjusting an imaginary headdress. Remember, keep those things under wraps. As they departed, Remy turned towards the edge of Cathar Day, where the Morgenstein estate was, and the woods where Jaira danced. He adjusted the headband, which kept his hair over his ears and obscured his heritage. Remy rounded the corner, and Thornmere ventured further into the alley. Taking the cross-street shortcut that he knew, stopping only momentarily to beak through the knothole and chuckle for old time's sake. He leveled an eye and was greeted with the sight of three naked he-elves and an elderly persuasion, uh, sitting a spread eagle in the steam where the place had been converted into a males-only sauna. Nope, Thornmere stepped back, blinking and trying to rub the image away. Nope, nope, nope. Too much has changed since I left. Then the elf turned and headed deeper into the alley. That's it. The end. Well, it's not the end. That's just no. the end of the excerpt. <laughs> yes, end of the excerpt. There's there's uh, a couple sentences after that, but some spoilers. Oh, okay. We we don't. Yeah, well, I, I we'll cut, see I what spoilers well, we get out of you. No one yeah. leaves here without giving away something. <laughs> they have to pay the spoiler tax. <laughs> All right, so let's. All right, so we've got Remy, who's a human. We've got his friend, who's an, an sealy, unsealy, or does uh, it not matter? It with the elves, it doesn't matter so much. Um, there are many kinds of fey creatures. The I see. Tuwa, the Tuatha de Danann uh, are the elves. So actually, actually, come to think, I, I got the backwards. The Tuatha de Danann, I believe, are are all the sealy creatures. Um, there's there's a there's a distinction made in in the book uh, over which is an elf and then just which is a fake creature because there are some you know um, earth creatures there too you know it's different sort you know you might find a right. bear or a wolf um, so that's not necessarily a fey or magical creature it just is so there is sort of a difference between the elves and the other fey creatures uh, yeah 
like there, there would be other things. For instance, the the queen of the Ancili is um, uh, is not an elf at all. She's kind of this. They, they call her the Spider Queen, the Spider Queen Ragafana. Uh, and uh, there's all sorts of all sorts of fun stuff about her um, sprinkled throughout, and you you will see her more in the in the prequel. But there are trolls as well, uh, and you learn that there's this epic backstory going on in in the lore of their world. Um, in one scene, Remy realizes he's kind of looking because he's more familiar with the unseelie and trolls are an unseelie fake creature. He realizes there's a troll hiding under this bridge. And uh, uh, the troll actually knows who Remy is, uh, recognizes him because he was a famous, um, he was a, a famous hitman for the unseelie queen and the trolls and the unseelie queen don't get along because they, as a, as a faction of creatures, sided with the person she deposed when she came to power. And so they're kind of, kind of in hiding uh, on the other side of the world. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. All right. So we, so we've got the spider queen. Does the spider queen have a nemesis uh, other than Remy? <laughs> she, she does. Um, pretty much everybody is, uh, is, is her enemy, uh, but uh, she has a, a counterpart. On the Sealy side, uh, which would be King Oberon, who uh, Oberon and Titania would be the um, the leaders of the Sealy side of the world. And there are other parts of the world too, so it's not just you are one or the other. There are the Feywilds, and you you may be familiar with Queen Mab. Um, yes, Queen Mab is the queen probably the only of the one Feywilds. I know. <laughs> and she's you know she goes all the way back to um, to Shakespeare. And actually, there's a couple of nods to Shakespeare. Uh, her there's I don't think it was a sonnet I forget exactly which piece it was in but Shakespeare wrote a part where Queen Mab had a chariot um, that was drawn by these tiny little pixie creatures uh, which actually happens makes an appearance in the um, in origins in the prequel because Remy is sent by Queen Ragathana he has a hit list you have to kill all of these people for me work the list uh, he has to okay. kill Queen Mab and so Queen Mab knows this, and when they meet, uh, it gets real fun. Wow. So, uh, so okay. So Queen Mab is usually like the winter fae. Is that true in your story? And then I think Oberon and uh, she, so she's the wild summer fae in here. Yep. So Oberon okay. would be king of the summer court with Titania. Um, Ragathana would be in the Unseely. Uh, so the true king who there's a larger story arc that will play out over the six books um, would be a uh, King Wolflock be the brother of Oberon. And uh, he has been deposed after a war um, in some of the, in some of the Fae history and lore. Uh, we have something called the Helltind, which is a, a tithe. It's an ancient word means tithe where um, oh, okay. you have to give human babies and sacrifice them to keep the, to keep the creatures, the demons from at bay. So they can't come and like wipe out the world. Uh, and so all of the magic and there's this whole political class working behind the scenes um, and uh, which will get bigger and bigger as the story goes on, because they are the only ones keeping out a whole other dimension of creatures uh, from the infernal realms. And uh, you find out that this war that was fought long ago, the war where the trolls sided with, uh, like, be, like saved King Wolflock, and that's why they sided against uh, Queen Ragafana later. Like, like all of this uh, comes down to this epic war that was fought 
long, long ago uh, to keep the demons out of Arcadia uh, and also hurt them in other areas. So like that, you find it like, like Earth as a dimension, it does exist. Just, Remy has no idea how to get there. He only knows that that's where humans belong, but there are humans here too. And so there is some idea that there could be portals and ways to get to other to get to other dimensions. Um, so he could get home and he's uh, by the end. Okay. So a little spoiler. Um, he is, uh, he is offered, uh, I mentioned the name in the excerpt, Furian, Furian Vastra. He's a, uh, he's a dangerous elf. He kills a lot of people in duels. Um, and he is engaged to Jira Morgenstein, the woman, the elf woman that, that Remy loves. Uh, and Jira's secret is that she can see, snippets of the future through magic and that's a gift oh, that wow. nobody's allowed to have because you could potentially use that to overthrow even king oberon and so uh, they collect those people for a variety of purposes and get them out of circulation so jira can't tell anybody that but she knows that furion will kill her at some point um for a, any number of reasons because she hates furion vastra and knows that remy can save her so, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's got a lot of these little tangents going in different directions and you pull on one string and everything else shifts in that direction as far as the, uh, the storytelling goes. So that's why I have to operate from a very tight, uh, very tight outline. Oh, wow. So that, so, okay. So then does she know that, does Jaira know that, that Remy is human? Yes. Yep. She, she discovered that. Uh, pretty early on. So at their first meeting, when they're they're out digging ditches, uh, and Remy and Thor, uh, yeah, R uh, Remy and Thorinmere are are out there just trying to earn a wage so they can keep eating. Um, and uh, somebody is sent after her. So there's this whole culture of dueling, uh, where it it earns you honor, and you can like legitimately like take out a dueling contract on a political or business enemy mm -hmm. and uh, like send a, a duelist. It's just somebody's going to go and like, if you have the license for it, uh, you can essentially try to assassinate somebody. And it, there's a whole system around it, almost like Hollywood with there's paparazzi and everything. Like you can do a political smear against somebody. Get a, If we get a picture of so-and-so of an actress uh, doing drugs or, or some guy, you know, uh, some famous celebrity actor hooking up with, you know, some uh, woman of the night or whatever. Uh, we can use that to completely ruin them. And we, that we can use that for our own adva um, advances for our career or whatever. So there's oh, this wow. whole, whole dueling culture that exists. And somebody tries to kill Jaira and her family because they thought Furion would be with them. And Furion gets lots, lots of hitmen try to kill Furion all the time. And uh, and wait, and Furion is he's rich, he's Jira's betrothed. Betrothed, okay, okay. Yeah. I knew they were linked, and it was the okay, so betrothed, and, and, and that was like a arranged kind of thing. It doesn't yes. sound like it was something she wanted, and so they, he. The fun on. reveal is that um, he's marrying her for her family's money, and the fun reveal later on is that. Her family's broke, and her dad was doing the same thing. So even if uh, it's just it's a it's a very fun uh, kind of revelation that isn't isn't too uh, it's pretty thinly veiled. Like you figure that out probably before um, before oh, we certainly figure okay. out before Furion realizes it. 
so that so the the families arranged this thinking they were both going to benefit and neither one's going to benefit because both sides are broke. <laughs> yep. They've, wow. Now they got lots of political clout, just no actual capital. Um, although Fury and uh, Fury and, and Remy, because they're linked as kind of mortal enemies, they stumble through some of the same things in the same places. And uh, Fury and sees that that Dream Hollow drug thing that I was talking about, and he goes, "This is." this looks lucrative. Uh, so his financial woes uh, might not be for the long haul. So, and is like this, is it like, so this, that drug, the dream hollow, is it, is it something like magically based or is that like, yes. Yep. And so, and I call this world um, arcane punk. So it's a little like Victorian steampunk. So there are machines and contraptions, but instead of like electricity powering things, it's all powered by magic, um, oh. by this, uh, this stuff you can, you can buy it. And it's kind of a, like a magic charge. Think like a, like a battery charge. Uh, and uh, all of that, there's a, this whole mystery thread, the, the thing surrounding Eldarian and uh, the, the lost elf and all these children and orphans that are going missing that they, it's part of the larger scheme that's going to play out over the course of several books um, that was tied into the, the Eldarian storyline. Um, that's all also tied into the drugs. Uh, it's all, it's all one. It's all, all the same thing. And it's, it's been a blast to write it. Okay. So you said before that like there's different dimensions and one of them is earth. It like, is it like alternate earths or like, do they like stack together? Like, like they're like the, is there the, the fey version of the, the, what is the, the tree that's in Norse lore that connects the different so, realms? Are they you're, just free floating? The right <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, you're getting pretty close. Um, just uh, yeah, floating around. Just um, <laughs> So there's the earth realm. Uh, mm -hmm. In my mind, I would like to connect uh, like the, um, like the Norse mythology to that. I don't know that I'm going to do something quite so extreme, but I would connect uh, like the infernal realm, which would be like, uh, like, like the hellish realm, like where the demons would exist. Uh, and then uh, some sort of angelic or heavenly realm. Um, and primarily because those things are in the lore and with the, with the Norse component, I would like to because I mentioned things like the Dverger, which would be uh, um, the like the Celtic uh, dwarves, uh, because they're you know while there was a lot of raiding and stuff by Vikings, uh, whenever you have certain things that come in, it changed parts of the lore, and that's why we have many different versions of Celtic lore and mythology, because you have stories that were were told and then stories. They're the same story, but they're a little bit different uh, that came into circulation after, say, a Norse invasion uh, where, where they would have come over and, and raided, um, you know, that that area. And so now they've, they've learned some of those things because they've, they've left their footprint then on their mythology. And then you have a whole new one again uh, when the Christians came in and Christianized uh, slash Romanized the um the, uh, uh, the the Celtic world created uh, a written language, whereas there's all oral tradition prior to that. So you could have multiple versions of the same story, each with different outcomes, each with different um, like uh, uh, sets of symbolic meaning and things behind that. And uh, even like like they talk about King Oberon was supposed to actually be like the, this other Roman king, and the story is really uh, is symbolic of his overthrow of this guy over here or whatever. Um, 
which then will be different than when Oberon was listed by, uh, you know, in, in a certain story. So it's, it's all very like Celtic lore out of all the, all the sets of mythology across the world. It's, it's, it's so interesting because of the fact that so many invading cultures came in and reshaped those lore at different points. So with the, with the idea of, of the, uh, um, the, uh, um, the, where I'm looking for the, uh, the the hell the like the the hellish realm that's linked. That one is come, does come directly out of the Celtic lore, and so that's why that one for sure is there. Uh, and then the humans being there, and, th- and there was actually that's a part of the lore as well, where the whole realm to the the to to the Fey lands was just under some hill somewhere. Um, and then uh, with the with the Norse the Dverger, you've got people under the hill, although Tuatha de Danann. Mm-hmm. Is that was the children of uh, uh, the children of the gods? That's what they believe the elves were, and then um, there are some other words that talk about it being under a hill. Where so there is this whole symbolic idea of there being another linked land that we could just kind of walk down a stairway in in the middle of this hill somewhere and wind up in a whole new realm. So them being connected is less a product of my storytelling and more a product of this is what the mythology says, and so I should incorporate it. That's really cool that i'm i'm like wow that's pretty neat like i i i like the idea of a stairway that could lead to interesting new places <laughs> and and not just to your basement <laughs> or your attic yeah, when you think about like all the things that shape you as a storyteller right yeah. uh like you remember like some people are like oh man i was so big into star wars as a kid or other people are like i only do mill sf because i watched star trek and babylon 5 and star wars was for babies and like you get people that have s- certain sets of different things that influence them as uh, uh as a story consumer and i i remember this cartoon i remember watching this thing and uh it was like Saturday morning cartoons, something I'd never heard of before is like a made for TV special or something. And it was animated. And some kid was like some goblin or something stole something from him and went down this steep stairway, like in a park, like this little hidden, like probably inside a tree or something. And like, he wound up in the whole realm of the goblins. And I have no idea if you know what this is, I want to know. Cause I want to go watch it. I will recognize it if I see it, but I can't haven't been able to find it, but little nuanced things like that. I'm like, they've, they come out in stories later on, and uh, it's it's fun to look back and realize where some of your influences were. Like, like I mentioned, gargoyles earlier. Like, yeah, everything's an so, homage at some level. So wait, so this goblin thing. So that I think I know it. I think I think I've seen it. <laughs> I don't yeah, like, remember the name, but I think I've seen it. Um, it sounds familiar. I know. I know. I. And art style I mean, was a little more like the the original Hobbit, the animated uh, movie. I mean, it could and, have been a Rankin and Bass. They did other things than the Hobbit. I can't think of it, but they there's another. They've done some other projects that were very popular uh, in the 70s and 80s. Um, was it the original? Um, I think I've seen it. Is de- I think it's definitely Rankin and Bass. I'm almost positive um, it is. Yeah, I think if you like search them like something would come up that would tickle the memory maybe i was i I was pretty young when i saw it i was probably you know it's elementary age so this probably would have been i know that's why i can't remember it was very i was really young when i saw it yeah like mid 80s yeah 
Um, yeah, I was a child of the 80s <laughs> dating myself. Actually, I don't care if I date myself. <laughs> Nothing to lose there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like the first, was it the one of the one of the Star Wars came out when I was a baby. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, uh, me too. I was born in 79. So um, I was born in was 80. So I, I know yeah. I or I was a baby when my parents went to see it. I don't know. That's the apocryphal story. They went to a drive through <laughs> to watch Star Wars and they didn't have a babysitter. So they just brought me with them. <laughs> Yep, yep. They're like, ah, she's too young. It's <laughs> never going to have an effect. And now, years later, I write fantasy books. Gee, mom and dad, what? maybe it did have an effect. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, a good one. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, going back to. So going back to this. So, so you, so this is like, a, so the dueling culture, like, how did, how did it get that dueling culture? Um, Mainly, so one of the things about Fae lore uh, is, you know, if you've read much about it, it, it all is just like, like so Harry Dresden, always, he talks about this a lot. And the Dresden Files are very popular. Whenever right. there's an interaction with the Fae and he has somebody who's not familiar with him, don't eat anything. Don't make them any promises. Yeah, um, be careful about bargaining with them. Yes. Yeah, never I've read with some them. of those. Yeah. So, and that's a, that's a pretty, a, a pretty common trope with, uh, with, anything fae related and so um along with that the fae treat each other that way like it's it's very political everything is is bargaining everything is kind of positioning especially if you are one of the elite class uh and there's a lot of classes um uh, there's a couple levels in the upper class they talk about it in the political structures because we'll see in some of the future books we will see the um uh like oberon's court We'll see. And uh, my plan is that Remy will eventually uh, wind up facing down against somebody like directly in front of Oberon and Titania. And uh, Titania hates humans. Like Oberon's like, okay, they're here. I mean, they're a thing, whatever. Uh, But Titania really hates that. Uh, Mainly because, um, you know, a changeling is it's a half fey, half human. Oberon kind of yeah. kind of has a thing for uh, for human women uh, sometimes, and so the fact that there are quite a few changelings that have been running around the palace in the past really really ticks her off. So she has a zero tolerance for humans, and so you find out that maybe she's got a she she is one of the people that you will hate in the stories once she becomes a a, a bigger character. Um, but uh, I think there's a question in there that I just completely. <laughs> Uh, so, no, oh yeah, 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 the dueling culture. So that, yeah, so that, that, it, that was that it. arose out of that, out of out of people like having to save face and trying to politically posture themselves. Um, it it kind of came about organically, mm-hmm. uh, and then and it, it talks about this in the book. Like it became like it's their NFL, you know, it's their NBA. Like the 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 newspapers, the yellow rags, you know, rather than like. Like there's a whole section of it rather than reading like about people, you know, about our celebrities, they read about, Oh, did you see who's duelist defeated? Who's duelist? Because they, you know, then you can hire somebody to be your duelist. Otherwise you have to fight them. Otherwise you'll lose honor. Everybody, you'll become the laughing stock, you know? And uh, so there's all this idea of saving face in their culture and about not looking weak and politically posturing yourselves in certain ways. 
Right. Uh, such such that you might even arrange a marriage uh, thinking you're going to gain some money out of it. And all you have is your your name and your status. You don't you don't have anything. Um, so all of those you kind of that that whole worldview, that whole dynamic is wrapped up in uh, in the idea of honor and, and defending your good name. Almost like like Victorian in many ways. If you think about Mr. Darcy, uh, you know, being willing to uh, <laughs> to to chase down uh, what was his name who, who absconded with uh, young Miss Kitty. Spoiler: If you haven't read uh, Pride and Prejudice, sorry, uh, but it's been around for a, a for a fair while. There've been a uh, but, whole lot of movies too based on it. But, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard to avoid. You have to work pretty hard to avoid it. I'm, I'm not a fan of Jane Austen, so I had to work pretty hard to avoid it. <laughs> Even I know more about it than I want to. <laughs> I, also, like, there's there's no version of the movie worth watching uh, that does not have Colin Firth starring as Mr. Darcy. Like, yeah. But I hope you have an yeah. attention span because the it's it, it is a. Uh, it's a it's a long watch. Yeah, I've not been able to watch the whole thing. Uh, I've seen parts of it, but uh, I had to read. Was it Sense and Sensibility for? I think it was high school or college. I don't remember. Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> it was a slog. It's, I get it. Like I understand okay. why people like it. You know, and I understand what they were in, in, in what they were doing, like women writing a book under a male like pen name, like that was kind of revolutionary. <laughs> that was so like I, I like them for that aspect that like they were women trying to do something that was viewed as like a man's thing and they did it anyways. And they told stories that were women's stories. Like they were the original like women's fiction. <laughs> um, so like for that aspect, like I understand why they're so popular. Um they're not my cup of tea when it comes to the, the kiss of daggers is more of my cup of tea. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know everything about D and D or most things about D and D, but I know enough that I like it, <laughs> but going back. So, um, so, all right. So how did the humans, all right. So if she doesn't if they don't like humans, like it doesn't sound like, why would humans go to the Fey realm? Like, is there something there that they want They've just always been there. Um, there, there is a so modern humans don't typically wind up there, uh, except for by weird cosmic flukes or okay. um, different nefarious activity. Uh, I, I don't want to give any spoilers uh, because it's not in the book. Uh, there, there is a reason that Remy is in Arcadia, and. Um, it's it's when when it hits when I when I finally reveal that by probably I think that's going to be a major spoiler around the end of book five. So I have I have a lot of notes. I have a huge series Bible on this thing, and with this many serious important working parts, you have to you have to have a, a lot of organization behind that. Oh yeah, um, and it's uh, it's it's pretty fantastic what I what I have. I feel like I pulled something off at a at a very a very high level the scope of this thing. Um, and so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to reveal it. I, I can't reveal it yet. Uh, but okay. so the people, but the people that are there now um, are people that have been there for a very long time. People that were born and raised there. There are generations of people that have been here since, uh, you know, since the time of the ancient Celts, since, you know, pre-Arthurian times for sure. Uh, maybe longer than that. Um, I pull on some other fun things uh, in the nineties. I did a lot of like world of darkness stuff. 
uh, really love like werewolf, vampire, the masquerade, things like that. There was a pack of werewolves entirely based around like Celtic lore of um, called the Fianna tribe. And uh, that's all based on a lot of, uh, um, a lot of other lore, some obscure things like uh, in searching out all of these, my, my my list of Wikipedia entrances, like in my uh, my series Bible, there are all kinds of them. There was a Roman centurion; he was the only survivor, uh, and it's actually one of the one of the oldest references to werewolves and how when Rome had expanded up into into that region, um, this would be pre Arthurian era. Uh, he was the only survivor, and everybody else were killed by these monstrous wolf folk. And uh, oh, wow. could have been Viking berserkers that were were invading. There's lots of theories about it. Yeah. Um, and I, I, if I, if I pulled it up, I could, I could give you a name and drop the story. But just very super, super interesting um, lore. And so I, I have. You, you don't see any werewolves in uh, in a kiss of daggers, right? But you'll probably see them in the next book. In fact, oh, I, wow. I can, I can, I can promise you that you will because it's a major thrust of the plot. Uh, and the next book is is actually it's it's called of Mage's Claw and Shadow. So there's the magic component. There's this whole unfolding mystery. There's a giant conspiracy going on revolving around the um, uh, the Dream Hollow that's going on that that uh, um, Remy is still trying to figure out him along with Anya. I mentioned Anya before Thorinmir's um, sister, who's very interesting as a character. She's one, one of the first people kind of had plans. So when they transcend kind of the human body with this astral travel, the, the fantasy internet, I called it with air quotes. Um, she is a, an Aethermancer. An Aether is the, this other, this kind of realm of thought uh, of astral travel. It's not a different, it's not like part of the, that infernal realm or the human realm. It just is like a, a, a land of magic where uh, if you've seen, like X-Men it's kind of like where professor X goes when he leaves his body and spirit. So it's more of a spiritual aspect, like an overlay. And I talk about it in the book and kind of explain how it works, but she, she is so good at it uh, because her brain, that's all it does like daredevil. Right. I, mm -hmm. I can't see. So my senses go all into something else. Well, uh, she, she's a, um, uh, a paraplegic in this world, like in like this little steampunk, like uh, wheelchair contraption. And she can like access the uh, the ether as this ethermancer, and so she has access to like internet type stuff um, that other people don't have because of her special abilities. Oh wow! But That's then the really claw cool. in a mage's claw and shadow. The claw is the uh, uh, going to be the 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 people, and he Remy does meet them, but he doesn't really know what they are in the book. Um, he just, uh, he's, he's, get, he's got a sense of them. And he's like, these are, okay, so these are the dangerous humans that all the Fae hate. And they all think I'm, well, Remy's dangerous too, but oh, wow. it's fun. there are a lot of factions out there. So when they're traveling in the, the, the Aethernet, where do they, where do they end up? Do they, so their, their body stays there. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah. Being able to like, like move your soul to untether. That's actually what okay. they call it. Where they say there's a huge problem if you untether, like if your your body loses the link mm -hmm. uh, to your soul, like you literally just slip away and die. Um, and uh, the dream hollow will allow you into the ether without that. So kind of like uh, when you think like Native American dream walking and things like oh, that. Like if okay. you go into that spiritual realm and you forget who you are, or you make a deal with a spirit creature and you get kind of that spiritual amnesia, you can just die in reality because your, your spirit 
has has left. And so it's kind of oh. like that. But okay. you can build things in there. So and as an Ithermancer and people, the business is in addition to like hiring a duelist to protect their honor, their secrets and their information will often be kept by an Ithermancer. So because they don't have computers, they don't have a lot of these things, but they can yeah. build like constructs. But everybody's got a black book. Yep. <laughs> and Alyssa, so who it, owes them money <laughs> yes, or whatever yes. the, the coin of the realm is. And so if, if you can tell, I really love world building. And yeah, I uh, know this is putting very together cool. something that that works and makes sense. How long can they can they stay in the aether? Is there like a time limit before they have to go back? Or it kind of depends. Um, if you're use if you're accessing it by Dream Hollow uh, or other pharmaceutical means, um, which Remy does in the first book, and he discovers I do not like it here. Because all of your thoughts and your fears, if you don't, if you can't really control your heart and your emotion in, in the ether, right, right. Uh, you're, you're in trouble and you're going to be fighting all of your darkest fears rather than out just, just hanging out and uh, doing the thing you like, oh, clicking on the, the, the fantasy internet stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, you, it, there are certain dangers to it. If you're an ether mancer and you're, so they use technology to do it, like kind of like, um, so it's, it's kind of a, kind of a techno fantasy at, uh, at, at that point for the Ithermancers anyway. Um, she can stay in there kind of forever. And, and there's a scene where Remy actually walks in. He's been off exploring, doing his thing while, cause he, he sometimes has diverging interests from Thoromir mm-hmm. and Thoromir was doing another thing. And so he walks in and he's like, Oh, I see Thoromir's here sleeping. Good. We're all, we're all here. I'll lock the door behind me. And he thinks she's sleeping, but she's just like conked out because she's, She's not paying attention to the real world. She's paying attention to what's going on in the ether. But she's also so talented that Remy realizes later because she starts talking to him that she can be in both places at the same time, which is uh, you have to be pretty talented to be able to do that. But that's because she has so much skill. That's pretty neat. And it's 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 a spiritual world. So like, yeah. And you, and when you're, when you leave there, you go right back to your body and yes. it like, well, you should, if anyway. yeah, if somebody were to stab you while you were in the aether, in the spiritual realm, you'd be stuck there. Right. It's a great question. Like if you, if you die in the, in the physical. Yeah. What happens I, to you there? I do talk about that, but I don't, I don't want to tell you. Okay. For and can reasons. you, can you die in the, in the aether and, or like. Yes and no. Not, okay. Because it's so, not a physical realm. So, right. so kind of like the Matrix, right? Like if you die in the Matrix, like your 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 body thinks it, that it's dead and so it, it dies. Mm-hmm. Um, something uh, that, that happens in um, in uh, the prequel book, actually, when Remy's there, he's this uh, this crazy guy that he meets um, in, in the book in the course of his travels is like, oh, yeah, if you if you eat this magic mushroom, uh, you'll go to the spiritual place. And so he's using that to try and save a friend. And he realizes at a certain point that um, there is an Ithermancer in that army that he's kind of he's like sneaking through them because they like, oh, they can't see me. That's right. I'm like, I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm an incorporeal being right now. Uh, and then an Ithermancer turns and looks right at him. He's like, oh, crap. Not so. <laughs> if you're in the real world, he's like, I'd kick your butt. But he's just getting it handed to him. He's like, he's on about to die. And he's like, 
wait a minute, it's not real. It's it's like it's like being in a dream. So I don't need to breathe. So he just stops. And the guy who's, who's like choking him is going to kill him. He's like, why isn't this guy dying? And he's like, Remy's just like, I, I cracked the code. I just, I don't need to do physical stuff because I'm not physical. So he kind of, kind of like that moment in the matrix where Neo kind of like realizes, Oh, I can, I can do whatever I want here. Yeah. But Remy does not go into the ether. Not anymore. Uh, for reasons. Not if he can help it anyway. I mean, like, it sounds like I, 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 it sounds like it's not like the most fun place to go. <laughs> like you, you it's somewhere you'd only go if you had a reason or if that was your power or something. It's because even the matrix, like, well, and, and, and if you can, like if you, so it's a lot of it is how you see it. Um, this is yeah. more similar to Harry Dresden's never, never for his Feyland, where it's more, I definitely product- didn't want to go there. <laughs> Well, it's, it's more of a product of who who you are and like your yeah. own inner peace and turmoil. Um, you know, wh- whichever one you're you're on. So the guy who gives him the mushroom, it's a it's a friend of his who he's made in in his travels in the first book, um, who takes him on his first trip, so to speak. Air quotes. It's a drug trip because uh, that's how how they access. And he's a fake creature, a um, little less effective on him. But when he goes there, um, he wakes up like he you because know, they both kind of. They drift off asleep and then wake up in uh, in the ether. And uh, he's like, this is my home. And uh, here's three framed pictures of my brothers. Right. Um, he's a, uh, the creature is actually, he's a cluricon. They're similar to mm-hmm. a leprechaun. And uh, and like, these are my my family. And these are like my trophies. These are all, he's a prankster. He's like, this one right here is like, like, this is my memory. If you look at it closely, you be able to relive the memory. This is the time. And he goes, this is why Queen Mab hates me. Uh, and why I can't join you with going to visit Queen Mab because I played a prank on her and wounded her pride. And if she sees me, she will kill me. Uh, but you you want to see what I did? It is like, uh, so it's, it's like a collection of his memories and being able to relive these thoughts and dreams uh, and access those. And you can do that jointly. And like, you could break into somebody else's stronghold in the ether um, and have access to all of their secrets and hidden things if they're there. Uh, and that, of course, is uh, that's what Anya, uh, the Aethermancer, is is good at. Um, so for him, for the Cluricon, mm-hmm. it's great because he's very ordered, like, and he's very fun, and he's a jovial guy. He doesn't really have much to worry about. Remy, who has been working for the last fifteen years as, as an assassin and straight up murdering people um, against his wishes, but he still carries the weight of his conscience. He goes to the Aether and once the Cluricon is gone and he's kind of, he's like, yeah, just go have fun. Let your mind wander. Not with that much baggage. Uh, So he does not have a good trip. I wonder if like what sort of trip us authors would have (laughs) considering how much is packed into our brains. I, I might have some fun. Maybe. I don't know. I, uh, I dream very vividly. A lot of people ask where I get the ideas. And so I'll wake up and just be like, I got to write these things down. But first thing I do when I wake up is, is very often if I've been from, especially if I'm yanked out of sleep by, by something else, I'm like, all right, to tell myself three things that I'm a human, what my name is, and that I live on planet earth. Uh, I got to ground myself in those three different things. Cause I get, sometimes I, I will get lost. I'll wake up and be like, Oh, okay. Now where am I now? And uh, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm alive. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to figure this out because some like 
it was pretty vivid where I was a, a little bit ago. Yeah. Yeah. Although uh, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, so I dream. Sometimes I'm dreaming about running around spaceships shooting aliens because that was the last thing I listened to. <laughs> Super fun. <laughs> That's not always the most restful um, sleep if you're dreaming about crawling through ventilation ducts and and chasing like xenomorphs that burst out of your chest. <laughs> Dodging face huggers. <laughs> that and it's a it's a fantastic franchise to be a part of, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. As long as your chest doesn't burst. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as get long as you don't love anyone. <laughs> so well, if if you're in the aliens franchise, if you're female, you're more likely to survive. <laughs> That's true. That's very That's true. That's the template, you know? In in like if there's multiple women, your chances go down. But if you're the only woman in the in, in yep. the spaceship or the thing, you're gonna kick the alien butt. <laughs> you're gonna watch everyone die horrifyingly badly. Um oh, and yeah. you're going to get banged up and shot to hell, but you will still survive somehow. Well, and, and all the connected franchises too, because you got Predator be part of that universe. Um you know, there's some some rare exceptions. Uh, technically, Riddick is supposed to be connected to that universe too. And you got the same thing. You get the you get the you know um, the tough as nails girl. Uh, you know who comes on later in the scene uh, or later in the series where she comes back. She was the the kid who survived in the first movie. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess if, if you are a girl or if you're bald, um, those are those. That's the metrics. Yeah. Like the girl in Prey, the um, the Predator one that was, uh -huh. which I thought was a, I thought was a fantastic movie. I I really enjoyed Prey. I don't think I saw that one. It's the one where the Predator comes back and he's hunting Native Americans. Uh, this yeah, during like the French Indian War. Yeah, I saw the promos for it, but I never got to see that. So I will have I think, to. I think it was free on that. Hulu or Amazon, which one of those two when it came out, and it was it was good. Like it was just it. It was closer to the original Predator movie with Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, where it focused on the character and their development rather than on big explosions and special effects. And the effects were cool, but they I did like try that to do better huge when they focus yeah. on the character. Like the original Aliens with the focus on Ellen, like Ellen Ripley was like, yep. That's what cemented my love of like sci fi. Like there was a woman being a badass. <laughs> mm hmm. She was pretty badass. <laughs> well, and uh, similar, with, uh, like it's not just that franchise. Well, other things are connected, like the Terminator yeah. franchise loosely, like uh, Sarah Connor, right? Like Sarah Connor, she was she's pretty awesome. Uh, I love, yeah, I love the Terminator. Almost anything Terminator. I love the uh, the new one that they did with um, what's her name from Game of Thrones. Uh, she was Sarah Connor. I thought that was, I thought that was a solid movie. It was a solid retelling. Um, not so much the salvation uh, movies, but the um, uh, even, even Terminator three, I thought was, it had, it had points that were likable. I mean, Terminator two is obviously the cream. Yes. Of the that was the one that I saw. And then eventually I went back and saw the original one, but I saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger T2 judgment day with Sarah Connor and, and the, the kid and, Run! I I've seen that movie like I don't know probably a hundred times <laughs> since it's, I was a kid. Fantastic. It was now, just like that was fun. the movie. 
So I'm really enjoying right now on Amazon, the Jack Reacher series. Uh, I was really, I read the books. I haven't, I didn't check out the show. And I understand um, why you might not, because uh, Tom Cruise did such a bad Jack Reacher job. Um, oh, yeah. My friend and I uh, from work went to see all the Tom, even though we hated them. And like we had we because we read the books together, like we had to go and see it. <laughs> His girlfriend made Cruise... so much fun of us for that. She's like, but you hate the movies with him. And I said, I know, but we have to do this. <laughs> I think he lobbied hard to get the role. Because he's not I, the right he, person for he it. He was not, but he loved the series yeah. uh, from from what I had read. And so that's why he was like, listen, I'm Tom Cruise. Uh, uh, I'm going to be Jack Reacher. And so he was. Um, but the new series, it's fantastic. And the, oh, the really? second season just wrapped up a couple weeks ago. And But in the first episode of it, so the bad guy in the second season is the guy who was the T-1000. And uh, uh, so in, in the scene... Um, a guy's walking by and you know how like celebrities and people in hiding will give like fake celebrity names. Like when they check in at a hotel mm-hmm. and one of his, like uh, one of his lackeys walking by, we found, we found the person we're looking for. They're at a hotel. They used uh, uh, this name, some famous, whatever name. And, and, uh, and also checked in, you know, under the name, Sarah Connor. Just what a stupid name. Who like, <laughs> that's not even a real name. I would, it just like, it's funny when you like, He's the tur- he's he was spent all of his early career looking for Sarah Connor and it comes full circle. It was just uh, if you and it's one of those if you weren't paying attention you wouldn't catch it. But it was uh was was fantastic. Just a little a fun little homage that somebody slipped into the show. Oh wow. That's like that's I did that's I love that. That's got to be so cool cuz I I loved everybody who's in that movie. Um yeah, that and I love the Gray Man books. I did not I have not watched the show about the Gray Man because everything I've read it differs considerably from the books. The only thing it has in common is the name. <laughs> Which I'm sad about. So I haven't I'm watched those either. Person. I don't know if you're a fan of Mark Greeny's uh books. I am a big I've, fan. I've heard I've heard about them and people that love them really love them. I love I, them. <laughs> It's not come up on my TBR yet. Well, when it does, like you won't be able to put, you won't be able to stop reading the series. I introduced a friend of mine to it, and he's like, "Damn you!" Now I have to like, now I have to read the whole thing because you can't do just one. <laughs> it's more yep. CIA, uh, black ops. Um, well, he's he's a contract killer for hire because he doesn't work for the CIA anymore. Um, but yeah, that sort of thing. But he has a conscience. He won't take certain jobs. I don't know if you read the John Rain books. He has similar like rules to John Rain in the um, what's his name? Uh, Barry Eisler as uh, series to John Rain. He's, he's another contract killer, ex CIA. Uh, mm-hmm. I love those two. Uh, <laughs> I like really action books. <laughs> we delved into the reading for the uh, the reading part of the the thing. We we need to go back to Kiss of Daggers. Uh, <laughs> we've we've drifted somewhat far. <laughs> where where were we before we went off on the tangent? <laughs> I have I have no idea. Is there anything else that you want to anything <laughs> else cool that you want to tell us about in the world? Give us some more spoilers. <laughs> oh. or have you given or have you handed out enough spoilers and you're feeling like you haven't you need I, to leave something for, for us to read? So the short story. Um, the short story. So he is John. Uh, Remy 
is like a John Wick style contract killer with a conscience in a fantasy realm. So when he's working the list, um, the the short story takes place in the middle of the book where there's kind of a fun little seam where um, Remy stops talking to all the people that he's working with because he just he hates them so much. And he realizes the only way he can like he's going to punish them over the long haul, but he's going to pretend he's compliant. And so he's going to never he's not going to talk back. He's not going to argue. Um, he's going to just do what he's told, sit back and bide his time. And so he's working the list and he goes off to kill um, this lady uh, on the list. And he winds up discovering that the only reason she's on the list is because uh, Queen Ragathana, when she first uh, took the throne, is upset because this lady was prettier than she was. And so that's that's literally the only reason. And so he's like, this is... I can't kill you, but I have to kill you. It's my job. And he's actually bound by, by magic. Cause he actually, the very first thing he did was made a foolish oath. Cause he didn't know oh. that he was in, you know, as a human, he knows nothing about it. He was like 11 when he wound up in the, um, stuck in this realm. He had no idea what was going on. He's like, I ha- but I have to kill you, but how can I get around an oath? Um, I'm magically bound to do this, but how can, how can I defeat this without maybe defeating it? So, because he has to do that to, to get free of queen Ragothana to begin with. And so, um, cause his Ragothana is, she's marrying this orc warlord and the orc warlord is the person who's has enslaved Remy. And so, uh, um, he's the one who the, the oath is bound to. And he just said, yeah, Lee, what she, what she says, do it. She said, work this list, you work the list. And uh, so he's trying, he, he's learning how to do all of that. And in the end, Queen Mab is the one who teaches him how uh, how to defeat certain things uh, that you have pledged to a fae. And um, so anyway, so that's, it's kind of fun. That's kind of, he's, he's the contract killer with the, with the heart. Uh, it's not the CIA, it's way worse. Mm. Um which I would imagine would be infinitely worse. They don't need technology to track you. They have magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. And with, with the a governmental organization in the human world, you can always say no. I don't think you can say no to a fake creature <laughs> and survive. So what's, what's interesting is you bring up, fake creatures in the CIA. Did you ever see it was a Netflix special um, called Bright with Will Smith. So Will no. Smith is an LAPD cop. Yeah. Uh, and there are humans, but then there are also elves and there are orcs. And so the movie itself was like a, an interesting look at racism uh, in, in like the inner city type stuff. And uh, the orcs were all very um, kind of symbolic of uh, disenfranchised races historically throughout America. Uh, like there's a, there's a scene where they're driving by the suburbs and they're all through with like with their shirts on, like, like Cholos, um, you know, with the low riding cars and like, they just, they supplanted like low income persons of color for, for orcs in many ways. And then the high upper castes, uh, the white collar criminals and stuff with, um, uh, with elves, um, very much, you know, like like Elrond with the pointy ears and the fancy flowing robes and everything, and uh, and magic is like forbidden in this world. And he's just a cop trying to stop like crimes 
and he gets saddled with a new partner. You know, he's a cop. He wants to retire soon. Uh, it's, it's it's very, very uh, lethal weapon like. Um, but his new partner, in the interest of trying to integrate the races and the race of the species, is uh, is an orc. He's the first oh, orc wow. cop, and it was fantastic. Um, so I really enjoyed that dynamic. Uh, and I have a sci-fi, uh, actually, that I wrote. It's basically, I tell people, it's Lord of the Rings in space. It's that dynamic, um, but with, like, the, uh, like, but both, like, Star Trek. Instead of Klingons, it's orcs. Instead of, um, uh, you know, Vulcans and other friendly species, there are elves. There are also gnomes and dwarves in space, and there's all this stuff. And it's actually, it's been done for quite, I have multiple books in the series written, not released. Fans have been asking for it, because they've, People that, that watch interviews with me and stuff on my um yeah 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 they're they they know about it especially if they've talked and they've maybe seen a, a sample or a demo of it on my my comic con table or something and like it's 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 been with a major publisher now for a long time and they're just ho humming on it so that might be uh, that might that might publish with a big splash um but the speed of the traditional publishing world is much different than my speed so. We'll, we'll see what happens. It'll it'll come out eventually, though. Oh, wow. That sounds wild. I, I know there's, what is it? Um, Michael Anderley has vampires in space. Mm -hmm. So why not other creatures? Yeah. And I, and that, I, would be, that would be wild if we eventually found life on other planets and they look like elves and trolls and mm -hmm. all the things that, that, you know, in our mythologies, like, and then we realized that it was alien contact. <laughs> These were first contact stories. That is exactly the origin on the story uh, that, that I wrote. Um, and uh, like the elves that, uh, that visited earth, they're like, then this, this intergalactic war broke out and they're like, you guys are a pre you're a, you're not even a flight species yet. You guys haven't figured out how to fly. So we're going to leave you guys for a long mm -hmm. time. And then this whole, um, the very Warhammer like situation broke out in space, and uh, we didn't really discover all of the other species then for a um, for a long time after that until we became a, a species capable of like uh, like hyperspeed and things. So, but it's a it's a very fun series, and I kind of had this nugget, this idea, I wanted to write something based on ancient Fey lore for uh, for a while, and so as I was. Really, when I was researching for um, not even two books, I was researching for two series. Uh, so I kind of pull in different things out of their their lore for uh, for different um, series, whether it's for the uh, the military sci-fi one. Uh, it's military sci-fi with elves and dwarves in space. Like that's that's just cool. Uh, and then uh, for you know the yeah hitman in the Feyland. Like yeah, like it's it's fun. I, I have a lot of fun writing. I mean, you should like since that's what you do. Yeah. If, if like if it's not fun, like we wouldn't. Well, I mean, I, I the way some people, the way some indie authors talk, I, I'm not sure if that's true. If it wasn't fun, they wouldn't still do it. Um, but I definitely <laughs> wouldn't do it if it wasn't so fun writing books. Um, because it's a lot of work <laughs> and it's not fast. You get the no. idea, and you you have to you have to keep chipping away at it. You know, like Michelangelo chipping away at David and um. You know, it's it's more like has more in common with sculpting than I think people realize because you you start with the idea and then as you start chipping away at it, like sometimes the final product like differs from the original idea, you know. 
when it, you and know, how, when you how many people look it. at your statue, like I can tell what that is. No, then you got to polish it. You got to like really get in there. Like when you look at the, the very famous works of art, it's like, like how often, how much polish did, did he put on that sculpture? Right. Cause that thing shines. Like it's, you know, you're not just using like a, you know, a real low grit sandpaper on that thing to smooth out, you know, the, the rough chip edges. Like mm. there, there's a significant amount and like all, all that to say, I'd rather be chipping than editing. Uh, well, <laughs> editing is its own chipping. Um, yep. I'm in the middle of editing something too. So I feel your pain. Uh, I didn't edit any. I didn't even touch it today. I was like, I just can't. It's Friday. All right. I'll work. I'm just, I just can't. I'm not going to do any editing today. It just, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I have time anyway. So, um, but because editing is not fun. <laughs> um, not for me anyways. Maybe there are people out there who do enjoy it, but I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I, I enjoy the first couple revisions. Enjoy the shaping, the writing. Yes. Once That's you know the, what happens, I'm like, okay, I'm done. The book is done. I'm done. Where's the publish button? <laughs> this polish you have to apply first. I'm, I'm going to hire somebody else to polish this. Just put on my rough spots. And I found it's like, it's really good to uh, release it at the same time as an audiobook, Even if you're just going to record it for you and don't, don't actually do a recorded audiobook because uh, you you think you think you've done everything you can and you've paid two editors and you open it up to a random page like oh well there's a glaring error and uh, mm -hmm. you catch it if you have to read it out loud but yes. otherwise it's it can slip through so many cracks yes I've I've read some of mine out loud and yeah I know exactly what you're talking about and you're like how in the world did I miss this or you're reading it and a sentence looks great on paper and in your head when you're reading it, but just trying to say it. And you're like, what was I thinking? This is a tongue twister. <laughs> I can't get the sentence out without mangling it. Send help. <laughs> mm -hmm. I changed a few of those because I was like, I just, I can't get the words out in the order they are on the page <laughs> and have them sound like they make any sort of sense. I just did. I know we were talking earlier about how I've got uh, all my stuff. Now I've, I'm now moving digital products on my website. Um, and uh, I, I just did an audiobook that I had been promising to people forever for that. It's one of my one of my top three selling books. It's a um, post-apocalyptic sci-fi thriller. And uh, with that, with doing the, the audiobook, I'm like, I've got it's a good thing I'm indie on this book because I gotta change a few of these sentences. And it's what I love about the systems, I can just click and do it. Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the one of the pros that we have. Is that we're the we're the last people, we're the first and last people involved, and like we make all the decisions. And if we want to upload another version, hit the button. Yeah, um, this has been awesome. Is there anything else you want to say about a kiss of daggers or anything else we've talked about? Um, sure. So um, I, I get one thing in kiss of daggers. Sure. Uh, Go ahead. The Vienna series. It's uh, I have a the Kickstarter is live for pre watching for the upcoming book uh which is called of mage's claw and shadow with the kickstarter i'm going to do something special we did it in the first one we had like foil on the covers and it was the first time i played around with that i'm going to try and do because this book gets a little darker remy has to go back and pull on all the stuff he knew about being an assassin before to in order to 
to save the people that he loves in this book. So we're going to go black pages with white ink. Um, probably oh, wow. old foil again. Like I'm looking, I'm hoping to do one of those real fancy exclusive, like a real, real nice limited edition, um, special edition book. Is it really going to be black paper or is it going to be like <laughs> black ink covering no, the white no, paper? Cause, Cause I've seen, I've seen people do it both pages. ways. Yeah. And that's, you're, you're not supposed to do it. And I, I wish people wouldn't do it because that Im- impacts the rest of the authors. Cause the, the price we get quoted from printers is based on the expected norms. And if everybody starts doing that, they're going to have to start making changes and that's going to actually drive the prices up for us and our cost per unit. Cause then we'll have to pay for the other people who are just like abusing the ink stockpile. Um, so anyway, I would know there's a CC printer does it. It's S C S E. Um, oh I, yeah. Yeah. I think you and I are part of the same Kickstarter yeah. group online and they were talking about it there and I've looked into it and it, they got some they got a nice nice high quality looking product yeah i want to do one on the black pages but i need enough pre-orders the next mm-hmm. one would have been perfect for that because the taste plays partially in hell mm-hmm. i wanted like the black paper I wanted like flames on the edge of the chapters cool. in hell just for fun but i don't i don't i don't know that i'll my don't know that I'll get enough uh, orders for that to be able to do a print run. So, well, if you ever to be ever potting wanna, it, if, so if you had a print run like that, because you got to buy, I think you got to buy at least like three hundred copies. I think because um, yeah, offset. but yeah, uh, I can't do that right now. <laughs> I need enough people. I need at least you know two hundred and and like let's say 275 or 280 people interested and I could do it. But uh, so we'll be doing the limits of print on demand for the next one. You start starting to hit up some comic conventions. Uh, Like I didn't know you're on the East coast, but New York, New York comic cons is one of the, one of the big three. Um, But I do, and I do a lot of very, very big events and also very small events, but I, I sell a lot of books just by hand to people in the authors and artist alley sections um, because that's my, my model. It, it makes sense for me, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, if you do even little, little uh, mom and pop holiday, like pop-up things for, you know, sales for the holidays, uh, uh, of course, don't, don't buy a thousand copies if you don't have that, that network. No, I, no. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't foresee not selling based on like, and I scaled up and into my, into my business as an author, but I have a little book too about it. If you feel like checking it out, um, it's called sell more books at live events. Cause live events are such a big part of what I do. Uh, that I'm like, people are always asking me questions and my wife keeps saying, you got to stop giving away for free what you can make money on. And so like, mm. okay, I better, uh, I'm working on a course and stuff for that. Um, cause like I, like we were talking before the show and I make a is it, is it for living. introverts? Like, cause like yes. I'm in like a, how I, how in I like a public setting. I'm like the hide in the corner type. It's, it's um, very, it's very easy. There's a, there's one simple trick, right? Cause everybody you can have that one simple trick. You uh, have to talk alcohol, to people. alcohol, like that fixes the introvert problem. Like, I'm just, I'm kidding. But no, I, I, <laughs> Not I, for I do. me, I don't drink. <laughs> I, my family has a long history of bad things yeah. with alcohol. So I do, I do not drink at all. <laughs> it's the, and that's the, uh, yeah, it's a joke yeah. I make in the book, but I do build it as that. Like I, I teach even introverts how to, uh, how to move the book to people and uh, how to look for the little, the connection points that uh, make it easy for you to start a conversation and a dialogue with them. Um, and then 
just a chain of command, like have a good, have a good cover, have a good back blurb. It's the same things you look for. Like with uh, if you're going to sell books on Amazon, you got to have a good cover. So they're going to click it. You got to have a solid blurb with a good call to action. And um, I mean, all the, all the author talk stuff that we can nerd out about, but like yeah. pretty, pretty simple chain of uh, chain of events that lead from, Hey, how's it going? I like your shirt. Oh, do you like to read science fiction? Check out this to read the back of the book. You just tell them what to do. And at the end of the, would you like me to sign that for you? Like, okay. Yes. I take cash and cards. And okay. They, they walk away buying a book going, I, I came here to buy pants. I, <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, so, but, um, and then, uh, and then it's also not about, for, I mean, it's, it's about selling books for me. I mean, that's how I make my, that's how I buy groceries. But it's also about if it's a slow show, maybe you decide it's, and I'm happy just to break even. Um, I just want to sign people for our mailing list today and how to best do that and, and expand your reach. And I find my uh, the people who are my most avid readers on my newsletter list, which I have a newsletter list. Go sign up for it. Um, it yeah, the are link the people, is in the description. I'm pretty sure you gave me it because I always ask for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are the people that have met me. Like You build a very strong connection with those folks. And even with A Kiss of Daggers, uh, I found I was at a show last weekend. And uh, bumped into a guy. He's like, oh, I haven't seen you. I haven't seen like six years. Um, like at, a, at an earlier show, and he bought like six new books for me. Because uh, I, I write so many books. Um, and uh, I, he liked what he had. He just hadn't seen me. And he wanted to buy them for me in person. Because he knows they make a lot more money that way. If I'm not you know, not paying distribution fees to Amazon or whoever. And uh, uh, he's like, oh, I have this one and that one. He did the, the Kickstarter on uh, Kiss oh. of Daggers. And he's like, oh, I really loved it. And with getting out there, I found I probably many, many people, I don't want to give a number, many people uh, who were my Kickstarter backers, they wound up um, meeting me someplace. And uh, like I, the book had only been out about four months and I had people uh, found me at my Renaissance festival. Um, I've got this little gypsy varda that I travel in and sell books out of. And they're like, what is the next one coming out? I backed it. I read it it hooked me right away and I couldn't put it down. I need to know what's going on. Uh, what is, what is next? There's not a big cliffhanger. There's just a little hook that you're like, all of a sudden, like the, the like two page prologue, you're like, this is a, what's, what is this? Okay. Well, we're going to blow past that. And then the epilogue, you're like, okay, we're back to this. And then it sets a hook. You're like, Oh my God, I have to know more now. Um, and it's part of the overall storyline over the course of six books. And, uh, it, it just sets a nice hook for that. But, uh, Kickstarter has been good for me. Uh, and cause it's let me connect more with, with readers. Mm. Um, and so far, I mean, what they've said to me in person has been that they love it. Um, and there's a whole segment of people where they're like, I'll use the internet, but I want the physical thing. I want to meet the author. I want to have the conversations, which is why I've got almost no reviews on the book. Um, but I've had, I've had probably five times as many people come up to me that have read it uh, in person and told me to my face how much they loved it. Um, uh, like, can you leave a review? I'm like, mm, yeah, probably not. Like they're just like, they're oh, wow. averse to doing uh, a lot of the internet stuff beyond the simple click and scroll, but they see the added value on Kickstarter. Like, Oh, I get all the extra cool stuff. They're like, I'm not the, I'm not the easy point and click and doom scroll on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But I, which is weird. I can't get them to do the very simple things. Like just click the button and hit the number five by the stars. Like, nah, too much work. 
but I will get very invested in Kickstarter and follow the follow the whole campaign start to finish and like make sure I get the extras and recommend it to friends. And like, it's sometimes I have no idea what's going on with, with humans. I just, I, I can't figure y'all out. Yeah. Rev- like reviews are, you know, some people leave them. Some people don't. I think one of my books has over a hundred reviews. Um, but you know, it's been free for a while, so that's yeah. probably why it has so many reviews. Like, I guess people are like, well, I read it for free. I, I should maybe leave a review. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, just so the author gets some little benefit mm-hmm. from this. Well, I think um, I, know, I know you lean into the to the ebook side and I mm, I do probably introverts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the vast majority of my sales are, are physical copies. And so. Uh, that's a whole extra sphere where maybe some of those people don't even have Amazon accounts. Um, they buy them other means, other methods, other sites. And uh, so to ask them to do that, maybe that's the kind of the big, the big hiccup. Um, and they're buying physical. Whereas when you get to the end of the ebook, it pops up, tell us what you thought. And you just hit the thing and there it goes. Um, so maybe if I sell more ebooks, but also I, you know, we were talking before too. I don't, I don't really care so much about the accolades. I'm, I'm here to, uh, I'm just here to do good fiction and, and hopefully people will like that and do something with me later. It's all about, I'm going to kick that can down the road. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the reviews cause it's like, it lets us know that like what landed and what didn't. Cause like we're all, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have like beta readers or like, there's no, I have no input from like anybody. <laughs> And like the reviews, the only way I know, like, did, did it, did you like it? Did I hit all the things that you wanted in this? I tried. (laughs) Did, did I do it? Did I get it? You know, was there like, I, one of the fan favorite characters I left out of one of the books because I couldn't figure out how to fit them in. And I was like, well, they'll have a really big role in the next book. It'll be fine. And in the reviews, you're just let me know that, no, it was not fine. I should have found some (laughs) way to shoehorn him in there. Um, or put some kind of note that like, I'm sorry, your fa- one of your favorite side characters isn't in here, but um, it just couldn't make it work. The, the um, trick is uh, short story, side quest, just with the side character in the in the notes at the end. Sign up for my newsletter. Listen, you'll get this for free and you can find out what he was doing. Well, no, I covered it in the next thing because it's it was a four book story arc. So very little time passed in between them because it was a big conflict with the characters decided we needed to have multiple villains. I argued against this, but obviously I lost the argument. (laughs) um, There were multiple villains and one of the most powerful characters, which we needed to defeat them, lost his magic in the middle of this because he made the wrong decision despite all the outlines. (laughs) And he's screaming (laughs) at the computer screen like, what are you doing? Then, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to get your magic back. You were supposed to get rid of it. <laughs> Why are you you're, looking at me? You're typing, you caused you're this. Typing. Yeah. Oh, no, I killed him. Oops. I was like, oh my God. How am I gonna keep you alive? You're you're mm-hmm. the you're the you know the main character for the series. You have to like there's a contract between the author and the reader. If the the title character of the series must survive to the end of the series, or it's game over. <laughs> And I had a lot of other things that he was supposed to do, not getting rid of, Mm -hmm. like losing his magic to the literal devil was not one of them. (laughs) So. 
yeah, that was. I was like, look, I'm trying to manage him having lost his powers and keeping him alive. I can't fit all side characters in. I'm sorry. If he went the direction he was supposed to, you would have had him. This is all the main character's fault. That's where you need to be blaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I've mentioned what book it's in before, so I don't think I need to mention it again. <laughs> I've complained about this before. Like, really. I have That's a whole note. Did. I have a whole note in that book that this was not where I wanted it to go. And the book five was not at all what I planned to write. <laughs> it was necessary after the left turn that book four took. I had it's, no other it's, choices. It's kind of like uh, the whole uh, Star-Lord screwing everything up in the Avengers, right? Like everyone's like, if you would have just followed the plan. Yeah. It was like rolling like uh, like the characters rolled the D20 in book four and i and i rolled the d1 <laughs> it was like oh god now i have to do whatever they want i'm not a big D person but i from what i've heard i feel like that might capture <laughs> the what the shenanigans I was like wait i didn't sign up for this yeah pretty much yeah is there anything else you want to say about a kiss of daggers um, or any of other many other topics we've talked about. I think we covered it. Cool. And as we said before, the links are in the description or the show notes, depending on where you're watching. And this has been a, another episode of Fantasy Lore and More. And today we had Christopher D. Schmitz, and we were talking about a kiss of daggers plus like so many other things <laughs> as we always do conversations about books tend to drift around i try to keep things on subject but i've been working all day and it was hard <laughs> break was off on tangents so. um thank you for listening or watching depending on where you are and we'll be back with another episode um probably tomorrow uh, <laughs> and thank you so much don't forget to like follow subscribe all the things so you get notified so that when christopher comes back with another book or another series that you'll be able to catch that interview as well. So I have many. Yeah, no, you're welcome to come back and talk about all of them. I mean, it's a, it's a fantasy book podcast that that's the only rule. It has to be tangentially related to fantasy. (laughs) I don't have any (laughs) other rules really. I haven't needed any where we're almost at episode hundred tomorrow. I think is episode hundred. This is 99. So it's exciting. We recorded this, if anybody is curious, on January 26th, 2024, in case in case anything time sensitive was mentioned. Um, so you have a, a reference there. All right. So that'll do it for us. Thank you so much.